Considering the subject matter of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, the hosts recommend using discretion when allowing anyone under the age of 17 to listen. This program is specifically designed to be listened to by adults and therefore may be unsuitable for children under the age of 17. This program may contain one or more of the following, crude indecent language, graphically described violence, sensitive subject matter including controversial topics, conspiracies, religion, the occult, and death. Listener discretion is advised. episode of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Rick and Steven discuss classic monsters, their origins, and their legacy. Vampires, witches, werewolves and so much more, right now, on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Welcome to episode 25 of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. We are your hosts. I am Rick Hale. He is Stephen Lancaster. We are both ghost hunters, both paranormal authors, and we are here to bring you the best in paranormal talk. Hey, Stephen, how are you today? I am fantastic. I am just loving this two-episode-a-week gig, man. I'm loving the fact that it's fucking October. Mm -hmm. Horror movies are abundant. New stuff coming out. You know, it's it's like mm-hmm. I, I'm tired of running out of stuff to watch, and now it's like, bam, Netflix, Hulu, they're all dropping all this new stuff. It's right. awesome. And, and our podcast, man, has been getting some some awesome, awesome recognition. It's blowing up, man. I, I You know, I, I think that, that was the best idea that you had, was taking us from YouTube and putting us on as podcasting. Absolutely brilliant. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of an ego thing, man. You know, I had thought it's a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. And, and this is coming from a guy who retired as a marketing director for 10 years, you know. Sure, I should have sure. known better. But I want video. I like video. I like doing video. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just made logical sense to me that people, everybody would want the same thing. But, you know, you think about it, you work nine to five, you come home, you have dinner with your family, and you sit down and you watch your favorite show, and that is not us. No, you know? really, I mean, people just don't want to look at us it's, anyway. Well, so. it's, it's just fine. They may genuinely be interested, and they, right. they hit or miss an episode or two, but with podcasts, <laughs> it's convenient. Like we've said before, they can in their car, they can listen to us. They can pick up where they left off, you know, when they get home. Any yeah. Anything they're doing, you know, so... I mean, it's just, it's great that we, we can offer that. And through um, all of the, the awesome outlets that we are, like iTunes and Spotify and Amazon Music. And I mean, there there's really, I, I don't see any, I haven't heard from anybody that they can't find us. Yeah, uh, we, we are everywhere and we are taking over. And uh, um, before we started with the podcasting, you mentioned that this is October this is considered spooky month, and there is horror movies to be watched, and that's one of the things that we are going to be talking about today. 
we're not going to be talking about the killer clowns and the zombies and all that. We are going to be talking about real movie monsters. We're going to be talking about witches. We're going to be talking about vampires. We're going to be talking about mummies. We're going to be talking about... Hey, don't bring my mom into this. Did I already say werewolves? No. And we're going to be talking about werewolves. Yes. And, we're going to be talking about... Go ahead. I was just going to say, we might, we might even throw in a Lycanpire or two. Like, yeah, and of course, we will be talking briefly about ghosts. But these are... What are we doing here, man? See, oh, we're, we're, we're talking girl. witches and stuff. I got my little black cat beside me. She's so cute. So, yeah, we are going to be talking about silver screen horrors, man. Like the original monsters, the stuff that scared you and I when we were kids. And oh. I still find terrifying. Oh, I didn't know we were going down that road. <laughs> <laughs> Boys to men, new kids on the block. It absolutely <laughs> frightened me. Yes, yeah, terrifying. But yeah, this is this is this is great. I, this is something you really don't hear on too many podcasts because not only we're going to be talking about the movies themselves, but we're going to be talking about the dark, terrifying origins of these movie monsters. And the thing is, man, is that like, yeah, these monsters are terrifying up on the silver screen, but where they come from and the legends that spawn them are way more frightening than you could possibly imagine. Then <laughs> <laughs> one, one beautiful <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, However, yes. before we proceed with that, we got to take care of a little business here first. Okay, and I sent it over to you already. And uh, since we're talking about, you know, monsters and horror movies, uh, a friend, a good friend of mine, um, Maeve Ibanez, I hope I'm pronouncing her um, last name correctly, may even has sent me over this press release that she is in a documentary with the one and only Jason Voorhees himself, Kane Hodder. Awesome. Exactly. So she sent this over to me yesterday, and uh, I told her that we would read it on air because, shit, man, this is interesting, and I think that this sounds great. So I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm going to read this. It's a, it's a few paragraphs. It says, horror icon Kane Hodder's new film set in Balsam, North Carolina. That's down there by you, isn't it? Steve? Yeah. Why haven't I heard about this? I don't know, but you're hearing about it. Why wasn't it. I in it? What the hell? Um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe because you're just in, in enough as it is. They didn't want me out but, shining. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, they don't want you out shining. The man who could probably hack you to death. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's let, let's go on with this. It says, horror icon Kane Hodder's new Kane Hodder's New film, Balsam, a paranormal investigation is set in Balsam, North Carolina. Balsam is a feature-length documentary that follows Kane Hodder as he leads a team of paranormal investigators as they investigate the Grand Old Lady Hotel in Balsam, North Carolina. Balsam is set for release on December 14th, 2021 on DVD and VOD. Kane Hodder is best known for his role as Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, 7, 8, 9, and 10. He is also an experienced paranormal investigator. He is a founding member of the Hollywood Ghost Hunters. Kane has investigated the Pico House in Los Angeles, California with Zach Bagans on Ghost Adventures, as well as in numerous other haunted locations around the world. The Grand Old Lady Hotel is a 112-year-old, 40,000-square-foot hotel with a disturbing past. 
Nestled in the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina, the hotel is referred to by many as the Stanley Hotel of the South. Director and North Carolina native Tony H. Cadwell stated, This is a paranormal investigation like no other. We have an experienced team led by a horror icon. We had this amazing 40,000-square-foot hotel all to ourselves to investigate. Nothing was scripted. We just went in and tried to document any paranormal activity that we could. The evidence that we collected in this film is just shocking. Kane stated, I would have to say that this location is for me personally the most activity I guess you can say that I have witnessed. Balsam was executive produced by White Glove Productions, Tom Sulkowski uh, of Mechanic Resurrection, and H13 Medley's Tony H. Cadwell, with Kane Hodder serving as a producer on the project. The documentary stars Kane Hodder, Amanda Hanna, Mark A. Richardson, and Maeve Ibanez. Balsam is set for release on December 14th, 2021 on DVD and VOD. DVDs can be pre-ordered now at all major retailers. Check out the trailer below. And you can find that at um, YouTube. And, you know, Steve, Steve, I sent it over to you. If you could, uh, you know, post that for our listeners. Sure. Um, now, here's a really awesome thing. Besides, of course, this being Kane Hodder. Jason Voorhees. I mean, this guy scared the shit out of me from about the age of 14 to somewhere in my 20s. But Sunday, we're going to be we're going to welcome to the show Maeve Ibanez. And she's going to tell us all about not only her time as a paranormal investigator, and she's investigated quite a bit, but her part in this documentary with Kane Hodder. That is awesome. I am super excited, you know, because this is my neck of the woods, man. That that it is. that is awesome. Yeah, way, way to go, so, Rick. <laughs> and you don't hear that often. No, I know. Thank you so much. No, but um, yeah, it's no well, way to go, Maeve, uh, for landing something like this with her team, with um, you know, Jason Voorhees, Kane Hodder himself. So good luck with all that, and we can't wait to talk with her on Sunday. Excellent, excellent. So here we are, Rick. And you do know, I do want to throw out before we get this uh, thing rolling, our email, if you guys want to be on the show, if you have a story to tell, Shadow Initiative Talk. Talk. Shadow Initiative Talk at gmail.com. We changed it from the TV to the talk. You can still reach us at either one, um, but Shadow Initiative Talk at gmail.com. If you got a story, you got a comment, you got a question, you just want to reach out to me and Rick, we're as open as a damn door. That's it. So, Rick, uh, yes. I guess we're, we're kind of 10 minutes in. When we come back, what do you want to start with? I think that we should start with my personal favorite in the paranormal outside of ghosts, and that is vampires. Vampires. They are sexy, seductive. And they will kill you right where you stand. But here's the thing about vampires. Everything that we know about vampires that television and movies have taught us over the years, that's not real vampires. No. But we'll talk more. They don't glitter. No, they don't. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, we'll talk more about that when we come back from break. All right, guys, stick around. You're listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with Rick Hale and myself, Stephen Lancaster. We will be right back with the frights. 
and myths and legends because we're going to dig through the ditches and burn with the witches. <laughs> we'll be right back. Are you a fan of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk? Leave the hosts a review and your thoughts on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, Ghana, Jayasab, or wherever you enjoy the show. Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk is now available on iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many more. To contact the hosts, visit www.shadowinitiativetv.com or email them at shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of this show, though, man, is the spontaneity, you know, the unscriptedness. Exactly. Well, well, okay, guys, welcome back to a very silly, fun, scary, horrific, terrifying episode of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. This is Rick's baby man. He's bringing all things that suck. And I could not think of a better person to do it. <laughs> but we're talking vampires. Ah, oh, thank you so much for that, Stephen. So, yes, um, speaking of sucking, <laughs> we're talking about blood-sucking fiends. That's right, vampires. Vampires have been a major part of... Um, Hollywood since Todd Browning released Count Dracula in the 1920s. And before then, of course, was Nosferatu. So, Stephen, let me ask you something. When you think of vampires, what is it that you think of? What What is the image that you get in your head of what a vampire is? Well, you know, that's a great question. If, if you would have... It depends, man, because now I'm 44. You know, before mm -hmm. I had seen any kind of vampire film, I had read vampire stories. Bram Stoker's Dracula. You know, I did mm -hmm. a paper on that in school. Um, I read all of Anne Rice's novels. Uh, you know, I was big in, you know, uh, uh, Salem's Lot, you know. Right. So my vision was, and it was a lot different until the movies start well movies were already out i guess until i started seeing the movies mm -hmm. and my first real movie experience as a kid was the lost boys right. so so to me the vampires were the you know the fucking cool metalheads man that was mm -hmm. my my first experience you know and then of course as i as i got older i went into the more serious stuff like bram stoker's dracula the adaptation of that and, you know, just phenomenal vampire movies that we, you and I have talked about um, in email and stuff, you know. Yeah, we have. You know, but there's, I don't know, to me, it's like, I guess you kind of said it earlier, there's always this, like, elegance and um, almost hypnotic atmosphere to yeah. most vampires. Like, they're irresistible. Yeah. That's part of their, their attributes. That's how they, I mean, they get you. Let's face it. I mean, there, there there have been several female vampires on television and in movies that I would never kick out of the coffin. I don't know about you, but 
<laughs> hey, Selma Hayek from Dust oh, Till yeah. Dawn. I mean, Quentin Tarantino giving her a toe job, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. That's definitely one of them. But yeah, um, so, uh, you know, proceed with your thoughts and impressions. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, my first experience visually was, was the rock and roll vampires, you know, which I just mm-hmm. thought was coy as shit, man. I, you know, that was my time anyway, my time for movies, you know, the Goonies and Indiana Jones. I mean, fuck, man, I just love all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I actually had more of it as I got older. I had more of an admiration for the movies that depicted them more primal. Yes. They they got rid of the romance and it was just more about survival for that species, if you want to say, you know, just violent gore like 30 days of night kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Where it's just they're a, more animalistic than, right. you know, this swap sexy debonair, you know, man or woman. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean it, it's just and there's in the paranormal field when you start talking about vampires, there's psychic vampires, you know, mm-hmm. which isn't bite your neck, suck your blood. They're you know they're pulling energy from you and stuff like that. I mean, there's so many variations at this point, but I think right. for for most people, it's the Count, it's Count Dracula, you know. Yeah, and even then, the Count Dracula that's depicted in the movies is not like Vlad <laughs> you know Vlad was a brutal motherfucker yeah I mean when when um, when Bram Stoker when he wrote Dracula a lot of people think that he took all of his inspiration from Vlad Dracula Vlad Tepes a, a 15th century Wallachian dictator mm. more or less I mean he never actually drank anybody's blood but he sure killed a lot of people in some really interesting ways well, he had people's heads on spikes. Oh, yeah. You know, all the way up to his castle. I mean, the guy was clearly insane. Yeah. Well, he took a lot of his inspiration um, for vampires from his native Ireland. Mm-hmm. Ireland has got some deadly, dark, vampiric lore. Mm-hmm. And one of those vampires is the uh, Abernacht. And according to legend, the Abernacht was a... Um, some people say he was just a wealthy merchant. Other parts of the legend say that he was nobility. Well, he was a tyrant to all the peasants that were around the area. One day he just died. And everybody was like, oh, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. This guy is dead. We no longer have to worry about him. Well, he comes back to life. And he proceeds to be an even bigger dictator by going around that area of Ireland and, you know, hunting down people, especially children and women, and sucking their blood until they finally went back to his grave and staked him with some um, ash wood. Mm-hmm. That was what finally got rid of it. But the thing is, but the point that I'm trying to make here is is that this idea of what we have of vampires um, has nothing to do with the actual folklore, mm-hmm. except for a few things here and there. Um you know, vampires, for example, they they were, if anything, they were more like the walking dead than this, you know, really attractive man or woman that rises from the grave and manages to manipulate and suck your blood and then lives forever. That's not the real vampire of folklore. Right. I agree. Right. So the real vampire of folklore, you know, you think of uh, uh, like Arnold Paul. 
uh, or, or Arnold Paulet. He was a um, he was a soldier. When he came back, he died in a horrible accident, rose from the grave, and was spreading disease. Vampires are more or less seen as like spreaders of disease rather than uh, murderers. You know, sucking your blood. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure that you're familiar with that one, correct? Oh yeah. So you have all of these vampires that go back thousands of years, have been a part of major um, cultures the world over, going as far back as the Babylonians with the Lalitu and the Lamashtu. Um, And even today, in our modern society, there are still people who believe that the dead rise from the grave to spread disease and... um, you know, suck the blood of the living. And I found one of these. This was fairly recent. This was in 2013. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this article. It was it was in a series called Blood Sucking Fiends. And I want to read it in lieu of doing um, Ghostwatch. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be Tales of the Vampire. And I call this The Second Death of Peter Toma. And I write, imagine if you can, it is a dark, moonless night in the rural countryside of Romania. An angry group of people from a village gather at the gates of a nearby cemetery filled with the mortal remains of their dearly departed. They are not there to pay homage to those who have gone before, but rather to hunt down and destroy a monster. They're on the hunt for a creature born of darkness, a hideous being they believe to be the dreaded Strigoi, a vampire. And they will not stop until this undead horror tastes its final death. This scene may sound like something out of a classic 1960s Hammer horror film. Or maybe this is something that occurred centuries earlier when long-forgotten superstitions ruled the lives of the Romanian peasantry. Believe it or not, on both counts, you would be dead wrong. The scene I painted for you didn't happen in the 16th century, but rather a mere 17 years ago, 18 years at this time. The incident in question occurred a few days before Christmas in 2003 in Maritino de Sos, a small village in southwest Romania. It was on that night when the mortal remains of Peter Toma was disturbed from his immortal slumber and horrifically torn to pieces, all because they believed Toma was a Strigoi. But what is a Strigoi? The windswept cliffs of dark Carpathian mountains in Transylvania is regarded as the birthplace of modern vampire myth. Bram Stoker placed the home of his immortal, his immortal lord of the damned in, his, in this ancient land. Believe it or not, the word vampire doesn't fit into the undead folklore of Romania. Rather, the people call them Strigoi, and they are far more terrifying than Stoker's anti-hero could ever hope to be. Belief in the Strigoi predates Christianity by centuries, and it is believed to be based on the Strigus, a hideous shape-shifting vampire found in the darker in darker Greek mythology. One of the earliest recorded reports of a Strigoi in Romania comes to us from 1672. After being dead for 16 years, Jure Grando Alilovic, a man from the region of Istria, allegedly rose from the grave and terrorized his family. Eventually, Alilovic was exhumed by the villagers and a priest and was dispatched from this world. Jump ahead 
four centuries later. And we discover that not only is belief in this undead monster still going strong, but the means to send it back to hell is still in practice. In December 2003, six men from Maritino de Sus were arrested and brought up on charges of corpse desecration. When questioned why they committed this unthinkable act against the corpse of Peter Toma, they responded that the man who died had become a strigoi. And if they hadn't dealt with him in such a manner, others would have joined him in the ranks of the undead. When they were questioned in court, their testimony sounded as if it was ripped straight out of a horror movie. According to the defenders, including Toma's brother-in-law, Giorgio Marinescu, six weeks after his death, Toma arose from the grave. For several nights, he invaded the dreams of his family and friends with nightmarish images of himself. And not only was he causing nightmares, Peter was pinning people to their beds and sucking their blood. Several victims showed, showed signs of a strange disease that stole their vitality. Upon hearing this, Giorgio Marinescu gathered together five other relatives and decided to put an end to the Strigoi's reign of terror. When Marinescu and his compatriots found the grave, they quickly went about exhuming the putrefied remains of Peter Toma. In accordance with age-old tradition, the brave vampire hunters tore the corpse's heart out and burned it to ash on a nearby rock. Then they mixed the ashes with water, and those who were sick drank the foul concoction and were immediately cured of the pestilence the Strigoi spread to them. With the deed done, the people were able to return to their peaceful existence, free of the wretched fiend, Peter Toma. So can you believe this, Stephen? I mean, this is something that is still going on even to this day. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, uh, uh, Lilovic, <clears throat> that chap, Mm -hmm. What's interesting from what I've read is that was the first time historically the word vampire was used. Right. Was in his case. And this guy, he died in like 1656. And as you were you were saying, he, he kept coming back. Yeah. Like they would dispatch him, dispatch him. He would keep coming back. And from what I had read, if I remember right, they actually had to take this dude's head off. And right. once they decapitated him, the you know the killing stopped. He stopped returning. All that stuff. But you know, Rick, it's it, it, you know all of these things do have their their root. But again, we're we're talking about the evolution of man and the evolution of the intelligence of man. And, you know, back then there was a lot of this stuff, you know, like we've talked about, which we will talk about with the witches and, and what people believed in the conclusions that people jumped to, you know, jumping to conclusions. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's got to make you wonder, you know, are these things real? Right. Do they really exist? I mean, are there really beings out there? that have are they are they like peter toma the walking dead or are they um you know what we see in the movies like dracula right now i'm i'm reading um interview with the vampire again mm -hmm. and as you know you've read it and mm -hmm. in the book um Anne rice actually um addresses this um difference between 
the Walking Dead kind of vampire and the vampires like Louis and Claudia as they're traveling through Eastern Europe looking for others like themselves. They come across these sort of soulless, mindless, uh, killing machines. So she addresses that issue in her book, that there is a difference between old world vampires of Eastern Europe and the new Western type vampire, that they actually have maintained their feelings um, and their their soul, more or less, although they're still killing machines. Yeah, I actually, I watched something recently and, and uh, completely fell in love with it. And uh, it it covers exactly what you're talking about, which which is interesting. Right. So with that being said, Rick, let's let's take a break. When we okay. when we come back, which monster? You know what what's what's next on the uh, the mashup here? Well, I think that you uh, you already mentioned witches, so you know let's talk about one of the most maligned uh, religious traditions in the history of mankind, which is witchcraft, or as we commonly call it today, Wicca. All right, you heard it straight from Rick. Okay, bitches, we'll be back with the witches. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. You know, oh my God! Yeah. First, for, for, first we do the Rob Zombie. Now this. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. To be a guest on our show, email us at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail That's shadowinitiativetalk at gmail You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. All right, guys, we are back to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster, episode 25. We're talking about the classic monsters, the monsters in the movies, the origins of these monsters. And we've got werewolves coming up. We've got, we're going to talk about what scared us the most as a kid. But right now, we're talking about witches, Rick. Witches. Which is it? Which which is it? Oh, man, you are just full of the dead jokes today, aren't you? Bam, left and right. This guy is on fire. Um, Speaking about being on fire. um, So, witches, you know. In my time as a paranormal researcher and investigator, it has actually been my great pleasure to have known witches, to have known men and women who practice the old ways or Wicca or witchcraft. Um, you know, again, this is, this is one of those things where Hollywood has painted us a picture and it is based off of some really really ugly episodes in the history of Western civilization as we know it. Um, you know, Stephen, again, when you think of witches, what do you think? Uh, well, kind of like the vampires, it it, it, de- yeah. it depends. I don't think I re- I wasn't really that into um, reading books and stuff on witches. I, I, well, I take that back. Aside from um, actual textbooks, yeah, you know, like I, I read a lot of uh, Llewellyn's stuff, um, but uh, a practical Wiccan type type of uh, magic. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, 
you know, instantly when 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 you said, "What do you think?" Hocus Pocus just popped into my head. That's exactly what I'm thinking too. You know, so that, that, that's what everybody thinks. Yeah, or, or Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's I don't know. It's like there hasn't really been a a really standout great depiction of witches, I guess. But I guess it's all about your perception of them too. Right. I mean, you know, like a, a lot of the movies, they always uh, present witches as being these cronish old ladies or grotesquely ugly women. It's, it always seems to be about maligning women <laughs> in some way or another as witches. But it's like the witches that I have known are actually very well-intentioned, very good people with no evil intention whatsoever they just believe in do it you know uh, do without wilt shall be the whole of the law as long as you don't hurt anyone right and that's kind of like the, they they call that the wiccan read now let's let's think about you know history when it comes to witches witches have not done very well in history as we know it and a lot of a lot of this has to do with the church in europe um throughout pretty much European history, for decades, you know, the Spanish Inquisition um, in Scotland and Ireland and England, hundreds, if not thousands of people, men, women, and children, were, you know, sent to the stake and were burned alive at the stake to punish them for, you know, allegedly being in league with the devil. Right. Right. Now, you would think that that kind of thing would stay as, you know, as far away from the United States or the New World as possible. And as we all know, that's not the case. Right. The witch trials were brought here. Yeah. And, yeah. I was just going to say, so, it was very, very real. And that that's kind of what I was alluding to last segment, is, again, the intelligence of man. You know, mm-hmm. we thought that we could throw these poor women in a body of water. And if they floated, they were a witch. Right. So in order to prove that they weren't, they had to drown themselves and die. So either way, they were dying. It was like a no-win situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and here in the United States with the Salem Witch Trials in um, 1692, thankfully nobody was ever burned at the stake. That never came here. Mm -hmm. But they were hung. You know, Mm -hmm. um, one was uh, Giles Corey was pressed to death underneath, you know, hundreds of pounds worth of rocks. As a whole, for about a year and a half, 20 people were killed mm-hmm. because a bunch of girls and other people in the town of, of, of Salem Township uh, pointed their finger and yelled that word, witch. And that hysteria took over, and it is still very much a black stain on the, um, on the psyche of this country. Yeah, and now, you know, to be fair... There have been many books, uh, many movies that, that they've depicted both sides. I right. mean, you can take Sleepy Hollow, for instance, which is a fantastic movie. I love that movie. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the witch in that movie was a peace-loving, let's just say, like, hippie, you know? Yeah, and, but, exactly. But was chastised for being a witch. Um, but right. then you had the evil side of it. You have a movie like Practical Magic. Which kind of, you know, showed both sides. What could go dark. They had, like, the craft. The craft mm-hmm. was more commercialized, but it did show both sides of it. That there's a dark side and there is a light side. Right. You know, it was a mixture of the two. 
But that's but that's life in the universe in general. That, right. That's the yin and yang. Right. There's the negative and the positive, and they both have to work together in order to keep balance in the universe. Right. Now, do I do I believe that they can, you know, levitate and, and you know walk through walls and do they ride brooms and all that? No, I don't. You know, but I, I there there is an I, I hate to even use the word religion. I'll just use the word practice. You mm-hmm. know, that's just peace loving. It's very um, holistic. You know, right. it's it's not necessarily putting a spell on you by definition. It's- you know. It's very earth centered, right? You know, being one with the universe and with the earth, and uh, yeah, and that is, and that's what we know as you know, modern day Wicca, which is supposed to represent the old ways of you know, like the like the Celts or the Druids or the old pagans. Um, some Wiccans call themselves Wiccans. Some Wiccans call them, or they even just call themselves pagans. Mm-hmm. And I've known quite a few. I, I believe you said you did too. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a great pleasure of knowing many witches. I, I dated one in high school, and it was very, I mean, it, it was it was not, no big thing to me. I just honestly, for lack of a better word, just viewed her as a hippie. I, I, yeah. I mean, that's just not, not to be insulting in any way. Just That's just how I viewed her. And, and she was part of a coven, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> that they were just nice people people you know yeah. I, I had no issue with it whatsoever but you've well, always got that stereotype that it's some old hag even Hansel and Gretel you know yeah. it's it's some old hag that 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 is throwing that word occult you know mm-hmm. um that's dealing with the devil right and then that's the thing too and it, it's it's really interesting that throughout the history of witchcraft in um, Western culture and Western civilization, it has always been centered on women. Mm-hmm. Like any time a woman showed any kind of independence or any kind of uh, strength, you know, and acted other than being completely subservient to their husband or, you know, being the caretaker of their children, they were immediately said, you are a witch and you will be punished. Mm-hmm. So it's like misogyny played a real big role in the in in the witchcraft trials, not just here in the United States, but over in Europe, because the overwhelming amount of people who were punished for being witches were women. Hey, I'm glad you said that because that, that's a great point. Because it, it just goes to show you that that sexism pretty much always existed. Because you know, at one point in time, wizards existed by name. And mm-hmm. every king had to have one. Right. You know, but that was okay because that was a guy doing it. Yeah. You know, literally doing the same thing as a woman, but because it was a guy, ro- royalty had to have one. You know, to right. battle the evil spirits. And, and, you know, it's funny when you look back through hit. Well, it's not funny, but when you look back through history, there, there was a very... Um, what's the word restricted view on what evil and bad meant so right. if if you didn't understand it and and it didn't fall suit into follow suit to what you believed in it was evil and in turn had to do with the devil everything had to do with the devil if it if it was evil it was the devil 
Well, here's the thing, too. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people, they don't know this, but the Black Death in, in Europe mm-hmm. was caused because the Pope at the time believed that cats were um, evil. I still were. <laughs> oh, no, not your kitty. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, the, the Pope at the time believed that cats were evil and were familiars for witches and held the and held demonic entities. So he's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill all the cats. And when he did that, that allowed rodents, mice, rats, whatever, to run rampant across Europe. And on those rodents were fleas. Mm-hmm. And those fleas carried that disease, that illness that killed almost the entire population of Europe. And the funny thing is about that, and not really the funny thing, but the interesting thing about that is that the people who did not who did not die from that from the Black Death were people who still owned cats. Mm. So you know, it's you, you gotta it's it's superstition and ignorance mixed in with a whole lot of misogyny, and boom, you have this maligned religion or belief system practice um, where people have been brutally murdered and tortured because of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, and it, like, like your, your vampire story, this shit still happens today. It's just oh, yeah. in, in a different way, you know? Absolutely. Well, I remember hearing a story recently in, um, in Africa that a bunch of women were, um, persecuted and murdered for being witches mm-hmm. and it's happened in india and this is all in modern day mm-hmm. society in in countries you would think that okay they have some technological they have a lot of technological advancement they're very progressive as a whole but they're hunting down people and killing them and torturing them because they believe that they're in league with lucifer but it still happens but you know that that right there just it is a great example of society as a whole. You know, that is like that with everything. A few right. a few bad cops and then and then there's a campaign against law enforcement. You know, like they're <laughs> all like that and we know they're not. You know, yeah. uh, some a few bad people shoot somebody with a gun and all of a sudden everybody's anti-gun. You know, it's that same mentality. You know, it, it's it's a few few women or or even voodoo or something and they and they sacrifice a goat that mean, that means all of them must do it right you know right. it's like they pick and choose to to um like anything politically based they mm-hmm. they they pick and choose whatever serves their agenda yeah you know it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, voodoo because last night um we were watching an episode of ghost nation on discovery plus mm-hmm. theo likes watching these shows and i watch them with him you know and uh, they had an episode where there was a woman who was practicing Santeria. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, anybody who, you know, Santeria was, you know, Cuban voodoo, mm-hmm. basically. And they, they started off the show selling Santeria as if it's like something evil and satanic and, and brings forth demonic entities. Luckily, though, they... They redeemed themselves by the end of the show saying this haunting that this family was experiencing had nothing to do with that. But again, that's pop culture. Another one is the haunting that takes these kinds of things and calls it something that it's not. Right. 
So it's like you got to have that kind of education and uh, discernment to know what is bad and what is good. And I've never met a witch I didn't like or I didn't think was a good person. And, and you know, speaking of voodoo, we, we know voodoo can do good things. I've seen the Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. movie, you know, so it's what? Hey, we oh can't God. we can't go through the month of October without mentioning the Doo. Yes, we need to mention Scooby Doo. Please, everybody, watch Scooby Doo. Hey, the OG Paranormal Investigators. Hey, what were they? And, doing? They were debunking. That's what they were doing. And in my opinion, they still have more credibility than Ghost Adventures. <laughs> my last <laughs> my last dump has more credibility than Ghost Adventures. With that being said, we're going to take a break, Steve. <laughs> yes, and, and when we come back, man, let's make like Ozzy and Howl at the Moon or Bark at the Moon. Whatever gets us to the werewolves, man. Yeah, we are going to be talking about werewolves next. One of the uh, um, another creature that has its origins in ancient history, and um, some people are still thinking that they're seeing it today. Yes. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about werewolves. Yes, recent sightings, all, all kinds of stuff. Just like anything else, hoaxes amok. But we're going to take a quick break. You guys are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, episode 25. Hopefully, you'll stay alive. Yes. All right, we'll be right back. Are you a fan of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk? Leave the hosts a review and your thoughts on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, Ghana, GeoSavan, or wherever you enjoy the show. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the moon is full and bright. Now, anybody who knows anything about classic horror films that comes from the wolfman 1941 the lon cheney jr classic now i don't know about you steven but out of all of the universal monster movies the wolfman is by far my favorite i like the shapeshifter werewolf stuff i do yeah a lot i don't Mm -hmm. like i guess i don't like the classic wolfman I like the more violent, animalistic, like Dog Soldiers, if you've ever seen so, that movie. Or, um, or Stephen King's Silver Bullet. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, that stuff um, a whole lot more. It just seems mm-hmm. more believable to me. Yeah. Do you remember the television show on Fox back in the late 80s called Werewolf? You know, I saw something about that recently. I, I never Probably watched for it. me. And I never heard of it. And I was browsing the internet and I saw something about that. It was either you or Casey Goodwin. Somebody shared something and I was like, hey, why have I never seen this? I think it was both of us. But yeah, this the television show was fantastic. You know, Fox used to put some really good stuff on like that one. And then in the mid-90s, they had... Um, uh, kind, uh, um, Kindred, The Embraced, which was about vampires taken from um, the world of darkness. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if there's one thing that you always see in a lot of these um, werewolf movies, how does a person become a werewolf? Well, yeah, they get bitter scratched. Right, they get bitter scratched, and then the next 
full moon that rolls around, they're growing fur all over themselves, like we saw on that television show, or one of my personal favorite movies, An American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Because not only was it scary, it was funny as hell, too. Mm-hmm. And um, But this is not how, according to legend, people actually became werewolves or were able to shapeshift, make that shift from man to a ravenous beast. Now, a lot of the um, legends that we have come to us, of course, from Europe, because that's where uh, pretty much the werewolf legend came from. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these ancient legends concerning werewolves were making a pact with the devil. Again, see? Again. Yeah. Making a pact with the devil. And the devil would give them like like a salve to rub all over their body, which may have had hallucinogenic properties to it or a wolf's pelt that was cursed and that when they would rub the salmon on themselves and put the wolf belt on, they would become this ravenous beast that would go out there and just start killing everything in sight and eating people. And one of those we see uh, comes to us from, I'm trying to find it here. Um, let's see. Gilles Gagné. Are you familiar with uh, Gilles Gagné? Uh, is that a perfume? No, no. Gilles Gagné was a French farmer in the 16th century, and he was put on trial for cannibalism. Okay, he was he. The people said that Gilles Gagné is going around and he is snatching up children and eating them. Okay, while at his trial. Garnier confessed that he sold his soul to a black-clad stranger in the forest for a magical salve and a wolf's pelt. And when he would spread this salve or this magical salve on himself, which probably had, you know, like I said already, hallucinogenic properties to it, put the wolf pelt on, and boom, he's a werewolf. He makes that shift between man and wolf. It says, as a wolf, Garnier murdered and devoured several children. Like, he would put this stuff on him, and then he would go around his little town in France, and he would just snatch up kids and eat them. Mm-hmm. Right, where he, right, right where they stood. They would die. So, this simple farmer, and believe it or not, they actually believe that Gilles Garnier may have had um, some kind of developmental disability, that at the time he may have um, been what we call now called Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really able to defend himself very well. So whatever uh, charges they threw at him, he couldn't defend himself. So then they wound up tricking him in to confessing this cannibalism and being a wolf. Um, he was found guilty and sentenced to burn at the stake for his gruesome offenses. So this is one classic case from European history, which, you know, talks about um, making a pact with a black-clad stranger or the devil or something like that, and, and you're able to become a wolf or some kind of ravenous beast stalking the land and eating children. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a big... I mean, th- there are... It's unbelievable, the uh, society out there that believes in the shape-shifting and that it it is happening out there and the stories that that kind of give it some credibility uh 
Um, right. I, I love telling this story, which is interesting because it's true. When when I started my very first podcast, God knows, over well over a decade ago, it was called Shadow Walker Radio. I remember it. And uh, the very first episode I did was on a shapeshifter. Okay. And my intent with the show was each episode was going to cover one of the each episode would be a real X-File. See, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that the X-Files do exist. They do. Okay, Chris Carter came up with the show based off of the FBI's real X-Files. So, so my first episode focused on the shapeshifter, the the werewolf. Okay, this was way back in 1946. Um, we're talking about, you know, J. Edgar Hoover. All right, the, the, this time period. And a case that took place at Glacier National Park, which, of course, is in Montana. And this is where animals were getting ripped to shreds. People were being found ripped to shreds. This is all true. You can look it all up. And nobody had an explanation for it other than the fact that they believed it was like a werewolf. There's no other way to say it. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, like uh, people do, they assemble a team of heavily armed people to hunt this thing down in 1946. Well, this group of armed men chase this thing. Okay, they they are claiming to be chasing a werewolf. Yeah. And they chase it into this cabin. And they open fire. They unload on this thing and kill it. Mm -hmm. When they enter the cabin, unfortunately, they discovered the remains of a man by the name of Richard Watkins. Yeah, I remember hearing about that a long, long time ago. Okay, so they all had the same story that they were shooting at an animal on, that was yeah. running on, on its hind legs, you know, running on two legs. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when they got in there, he had changed back. Well, this story was so bizarre and never actually solved that that is what caused J. Edgar Hoover to open a branch of the FBI. We know it as the X-Files, but mm-hmm. the, these files were actually filed under you for unexplained, unexplained. unexplained right. phenomena. And they still exist in the Washington FBI offices. There are, You can have access to these files. But I always found that to be interesting because still to this day, well over 50, 60, 70 years later, that went unexplained. Right. Well, there are still two instances I mean, you know, um, of modern-day um, stories of werewolves. I mean, you know, of course, werewolves go back all the way to, you know, medieval Europe and even as far back as antiquity in Greece with uh, Ovid, the author of the Satyricon, who um, met a man at a wedding who was able to shapeshift into a wolf. Mm-hmm. And he watched him as he ran off into the uh, forest at a wedding. So, but we have two other instances of modern day stories of shapeshifters and werewolves. One of them, a mere 40 miles or even 45 minutes from where I live here in uh, Northern Illinois, is the town of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Beast of Bray Road. Mm-hmm. Starting in 1991, along Bray Road in Walworth County, Wisconsin, I've been there, and it is, it's very, very pretty. 
out there. It's it, it's it's very nice during the uh, during the fall months. And um, starting in 1991, people were seeing this um, monstrous creature on the side of the road and in the forests surrounding uh, Bray Road mm-hmm. in Walworth County, Wisconsin. They would see this thing kneeling over roadkill on the side of the street, eating roadkill. Um, it would chase people it, it, it were going at top speed in their car. It had, you know, fangs, it had claws, it had fur. It was seven to eight feet tall, some people said. And people called this a werewolf or the beast of Bray Road. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, people are still seeing this um, this werewolf-type creature in Walworth County, Wisconsin, and in south southeastern Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin. And um, again, it's one of those. It's unexplained. Nobody knows what it is. Some people think that it's a wolf, like a real wolf. Mm-hmm. But wolves don't stand up on their hind legs and walk, or right. even run, for that matter. Uh, some people believe that it is a, a wolf-dog hybrid. They get pretty big. Um, again, walking on its hind legs. They have eye shine, but their eyes aren't glowing red and staring people down and chasing them. So it's like, again, it's one of those ones that it's like, are we dealing with a cryptid creature of some kind, like the dog man? Or some people even believe that it may be like a Sasquatch kind of beast. Mm-hmm. Or are we dealing with a real shape-shifting werewolf in the Beast of Bray Road? Yeah. I, I love it, man, because, you know, I'm not so much into believing about the whole transformation thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, just because biologically speaking, I don't even need to go any further, but... Yeah, the fact that there could be creatures out there like that, I'm completely open to. Completely open to it. Yeah, I think um, cryptozoologically speaking, that there could be something out there that yeah, you could say, hey, uh, you you wouldn't really call it a werewolf because if you say werewolf, you're you're pretty much insinuating that its origin was man. You know, right. it started as a human being and, and became this creature and will go back to being a human being Mm -hmm. throughout some kind of cycle um but it's i don't know you think about today uh, you know being in the 21st century and the technology that we have you know now yes could smart creature like vampires Mm -hmm. could they exist and be hidden absolutely i firmly believe that we've got people uh, millions of people who work night shift and work night shift only those people, I'm, ser- I, I'm serious. Those I, work, people- I worked a night shift for 16 years, and there was a kid that I worked with, because um, I worked with kids who had, you know, things like mental illnesses and stuff like this. This kid believed I was a vampire. I mean, could it be hidden? Absolutely. I, I think today would be easier for a vampire to hide than hundreds of years ago. You know, you, you take Anne Rice, an interview with the vampire. You know, even Louie, you know, was trying to eat rats. You know, and, 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 and dogs and stuff. He didn't want to kill people. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's very easy to, to see. Now, werewolves, or, or just say a creature like that, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. That kind of gets into the Sasquatch territory, like, why haven't we actually discovered a body? 
that's the part that always gets me with these stories is there should be a body somewhere. Well, see, now it's interesting that you should say that because according to modern science, there is a um, physical and mental illness that is known as lycanthropy. Yes. Where people actually believe that they are, um, they become this creature. Mm-hmm. Um, by, you know, full moon, you know, whatever. They just all of a sudden become like a ravenous creature. And it's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. However, there was a real case of lycanthropy in France mm-hmm. um, several years ago where a man was discovered in an alley by the police on all fours, burying his teeth, covered in blood. And it turns out that he had just murdered his friend and actually ripped out his friend's throat with his uh, with his teeth and his his uh, his his own hands, and according when when he was taken to the the uh, the, the um, psychiatric hospital, when they were locking him up, there was an orderly that went on record as saying that he thought he saw what looked like this man's facial features change into a ravenous beast. Right. And then the next morning they open it back up and he's like, Oh, Hey guys, what's going on? You know, I don't know you know, what, what happened? Apparently I murdered somebody. So it's like, was this, you know, somebody trying to use the insanity plea or setting up the insanity plea? Or was this a person that legitimately suffered from lycanthropy? Or which we all know is, is, uh, whatever you want to call it, a disorder, a split personality where you do not remember what you did as that other personality. You know, Dissociative identity yeah, disorder. You know, that, that's a possibility. And, and even that, we should have mentioned this with the vampires, you know, that, that there are medical conditions that make you crave blood. There are anemic right. people. I mean, there are people, there, there is a medical condition where your skin will blister in the sun. Yes. You know, it's rare stuff, but that stuff does exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're literally allergic to the sun. Right. There's a, and there's I believe a, it's called porphyria. There's a really, um, oh, man, I'm going to have to look this up. It's, damn, I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. A really cool foreign film about that. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a crossbreed of a, of a movie. Um, the movie opens up with this kid, like, running through the city, and you can see the shadow of, of like, the sun coming up because like an aerial shot of him running down the sidewalk and the sun coming, you know, like he's trying to stay ahead of the, he's trying to stay in the dark. Um, right. Man, what's that called? Really, really good. Um, if you like foreign films, uh, yeah, yeah look it up and, uh, send that your way. but uh, with that being said, let's take a break. We come back, Rick. Let's, let's talk about what scared you the most as a kid. Okay. Let's bring on the terror. Man, I want to know. <laughs> so, guys, stick around. You're listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. So, stick around. Are you a fan of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk? Leave the hosts a review and your thoughts on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, Ghana, Jayasab, or wherever you enjoy the show. Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk is now available on iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many more. To contact the hosts, visit www.shadowinitiativetv.com 
or email them at shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. And welcome back to our midweek show here at the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with uh, Stephen and Rick. We've been talking about monsters of the silver screen and their dark, terrifying origins. So, Stephen, you had a question, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, put a nice little bow on it, and boom, put it out there. Is this <laughs> our Christmas special? Uh, no, uh, yeah, Rick. As yes. as a kid, what was the monster or, or or just scary story that really got to you, man? Like you're leaving the lights on, you're you're afraid to do a certain something because of this, or what? What what got you, man? Uh, Joan Crawford and Mommy Dearest. <laughs> it's not a horror movie, but that movie did scare me as a kid, you know, because uh, she was quite psychotic. But, um, no, I would have to say um, was definitely The Exorcist. That was, you know, the the, uh, the flashing face mm-hmm. of the demon. That, that did scare me. But, you know, it's like I saw that movie when I was, like, for the first time when I was maybe, like, four or five years old. My uncles were watching it, and, you know, I just happened to be there while they're watching it. So, yeah, that definitely scared me because I'm like, oh, my, you know, this, I didn't know what that was. I, according to the movie, it was a demon. That definitely did scare me. How did that affect your life? Oh, it didn't really affect it in any way. I mean, I've seen ghosts. I know that ghosts are... Not what Hollywood makes them out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not demonic entities out to get us. But you know, I thought you meant like at the time when you were a kid. Yeah, at the time when I was a kid, that did scare me. But after witnessing a ghost and interacting with a ghost and investigating ghosts for thirty years, you know, that kind of thing doesn't really scare me anymore. Okay, well, I'm about to tell you mine. Oh, here we go. Let me tell you. Okay, we now story story time at the asylum. Now you and I both know each other's kind of origin story of getting into the paranormal. You know that's sure. that's what paved our path into the paranormal. And you know, one episode, Rick, we'll do a, a really cool episode where you and I interview each other. I think that would be interesting. Oh, that would um, be cool. Yeah, paranormally speaking. Uh, I don't want to know about your extracurricular activities. Um, <laughs> But when it comes to the horror genre, this may surprise you. Okay. Okay, This is really going to surprise you. It took me well, well into my adulthood to be around dolls, Mm. puppets, okay, anything of that nature. Okay. Which – It's a common phobia. Okay. But there is a reason for it. When I was five years old – do you remember the show Romper Room? Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, Romper Room had this like character thing that would just pop up, you know, like a puppet, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this was one of the few things I was allowed to watch was Romper Room. 
Well, Dad comes home from work one day, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and uh, he starts flicking through the channels, and this movie comes on. I'm five years old. Mm-hmm. And it's got this tiki doll that is evil, and it's killing things. And what really got me. Oh, Trilogy of Terror. Yes. Oh, you just yes. gave me chills, okay? What really <laughs> got me was the scene where she's sitting on the couch, and he cuts through the couch cushion and comes up out. He popped up like that little dickhead puppet in Romper Room. Mm-hmm. So, like, my mind was putting these things together. So, it scarred me. I could not sleep. I could Everything that looked like a stuffed animal, nothing. It all had to come out of my room. All had to come out of my room. That tiki doll freaked me the fuck out. Well, well into I mean, in my adulthood. Of course, my mom. I can tell by the look in your eyes that you are quite serious. Yes, my. You will occasionally see like Terry or some of my other friends post that motherfucker on my profile, just to be dickheads. Okay, because they know this story, and. It, and now I know. Yes, <laughs> and, and of course, my mom. You know. She comes home. She was she was a nursing school or something, and she comes home and, and wonders why I'm all like PTSD and in the corner. Okay, and uh, Dad says, "Oh, we just watched this movie called Trilogy of Terror." And of course, she was all pissed at Dad about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it caused quite quite a problem for me. But just like I did with the paranormal field, to keep a long story short, just like I did with the paranormal field, after I had that paranormal experience. I decided to study the paranormal field, so I wasn't afraid of it. Well, I did the same thing. With Trilogy of Terror, I just started to expose myself to every horror movie, every book, just everything imaginable that's supposed to be terrifying. And now that's my favorite genre of all time. Okay? So that was mine. That little tiki bastard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, Trilogy of Terror very well. Chasing the woman around with a knife and, yes. you know, cutting at her. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. No, I remember that very well. But isn't it funny the most simplistic horror movies are the most frightening? Mm-hmm. Nothing beats those classics like The Exorcist, the original Alien. I mean, you didn't. you only saw the Alien for a few minutes at the end. You know, the right. trilogy of terror, this little just tiki puppet that's being, you know, controlled, you know, off camera. I mean, just mm-hmm. Jaws, what Jaws did, you know, I mean. My mom, when when Jaws came out, I was, I think I was two years old. And my mom actually took uh, me to Jaws as a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, sitting there watching the movie, thought it would be okay. And according to her. When that shark came up out of the water, I screamed <laughs> so loud that she had to take me out of the uh, out of the movie theater, and she couldn't finish watching the movie. Now, why anybody would think bringing a toddler to a monster movie like that is a good idea? I don't know. It, it was the seventies, man. I guess maybe it's an age thing too, because I I, I saw Jaws much later. Much, much later. I, I was probably mm-hmm. maybe 13 um, when I saw Jaws. The shark movies, I love shark movies. Like Deep Blue Sea is underrated, man. That is an awesome shark movie. But I, the shark movies never scared me like like 
but I think maybe if I'd have seen it in 77 before all these other movies that gave me time to be desensitized, so to mm-hmm. speak, because Jaws truly was and is the originator of that kind of film. And, and yeah. I mean, it, it's going to, it still stands today, you know, the but, gold standard of monster movie horror. Right. And, and, and it, it, it's kind of cool, man. You look back at those. I mean, it's very hard now th- to have a scary movie. It's more about shock than it is the scare. Right. You know, because everything's just been s- so oversaturated, man. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm personally, I'm like, I am over the whole killer clowns or zombies thing. Um, we, we have um, Six Flags Great America, which is in Gurney. And every year since 1991, they've been putting on Fright Fest. Well, all it is now is just post-apocalyptic mutants and killer clowns and, and all that. And it's like, it's so boring. But like you said, again, it's about the shock, not the scare. And it's like not even fun anymore. I think, and, and I may be one of the rare few, because I it baffles me when I talk to some of my family and stuff. They're the, they're the jumpers when they're mm-hmm. watching a horror movie and the shouters. And, you know, to me, the supernatural stuff... And the just the stuff that, and I'm the same way with superhero movies. If it's not believable to me, I just can't get into it. Now, Batman, I can get into because that could that could happen. Sure, Iron yeah. Man could happen. But the supernatural stuff, like Freddy, Freddy never scared me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just it's like okay, well, this is totally unbelievable. Why are you scared at this? It was just, and you know the. Freddy's just entertaining to me, but it's it's the movies that are grounded in reality, like mm-hmm. like the slasher series. If you've watched any of that, um, mm-hmm. each, each season's a different kind of killer and um, okay. different motive. You know, it's the stuff that could really happen. That's the stuff that gets to me. Oh, there's serial killers. I mean, yeah, the FBI says that there's hundreds of serial killers around every single day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We need to get one on this show. Remotely. (laughs) Yeah. Remotely. Good thinking, Steve. Uh, Anyways. So, yeah, hey. Hey, we actually can get, um, uh, God knows what's his name, Um, H.R. Holmes or H. The great great grandson of uh, 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 Jack the Ripper. Yeah. We could actually get him on here. H.H. Holmes, yeah. Not that that's really paranormal, though. No, but still, I mean, hey, people would like to hear it. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be an interesting life to be related to something like that. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's like something I would, I don't know. I yeah. mean, but, but considering how like, you know, serial killers are, I guess, cool yeah, these like everybody days. Everybody loves Dexter. I mean, everybody loves Dexter. Yeah. Everybody loves that. De- I've never actually seen it. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Episode 25. Yeah. We didn't talk about your mummy, but. That's all right. You know, we can always come back again and we got revisit this another time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Again, you can reach us at shadowinitiativetv.com. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook where the podcasts are available. This is so cool. You can go to facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative and actually hit play on our podcast and browse Facebook while the, fo- the podcast will keep playing. That's yeah. so cool. 
Thanks, Rick. Very cool. Me <laughs> no, you're, no, you're welcome. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just, I was reading something and I was thinking about it. Um, yeah, definitely. So whenever you're, you know, at your, you know, eight or nine hours, whatever, of Facebookery, you could be listening to endless episodes of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Because who doesn't want to do that? Everybody <laughs> wants to do that. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Look, we're going to see you next week. What do we What do we got coming up on the next show, Rick? The great guest, uh, right? Yeah, on Sunday we have a great guest. We're going to be talking uh, to Maeve Ibanez, and she's going to be telling us all about this documentary that she's doing with uh, you know, Kane Hodder. We were talking yes. about serial killers and, and horror movies uh, with Kane Hodder, Jason Voorhees, and um, so that's going to be a great, great show. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, with that being said, guys. Remember, you can listen to all of our old shows if you're just tuning in for the first time. We leave everything out there, so there's always something to listen to. Until next time, guys, we will catch you later.